A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Stand by in five, four... Three, two, one. Hello and welcome to Women on Deadline, a podcast created to energize and unite female storytellers. I'm Sierra Starks. And I'm Carolyn Hall. That lovely voice you heard leading us into show was Inika Edenfield. She is an executive news producer at WSAV in Savannah, Georgia. First up, let's talk about our partnership with Brock's Jewelry. Now again, They are owned by a female boss. Her name is Taylor Watts. She's a geology major. She quit her job. And actually, she quit her job. That is um, very fitting for this episode, but I'll move on. She quit her job to start Rocks Jewelry and now makes beautiful jewelry out of high-quality materials. And her company gives back to charity in the process. Now, they don't just make jewelry. There are coffee mugs, T-shirts with powerful and empowering slogans, and they also do home decor. So check her out at RoxJewelryShop.com. R-O-X-JewelryShop.com. And of course, we'll be sharing some pieces from her shop on our social media and on our show notes as well. All right, on to the meat of our show. As you guys know, Carolyn sort of left the news business, at least like local news and like the daily grind, um, sort of kind of a long time ago now that you like look back. It's been a while, but um but you've got but you've got some really good stuff going on that's really pertinent to uh what we're talking about today on the podcast. Yeah, so not that long ago, just a couple of months ago, um my husband and I started a video a boutique video production company called Jensen Hall Creative. And we specialize in capturing authentic moments and using emotion to communicate between a message and the audience. And so we have been focusing largely on nonprofits in Alaska. We care deeply about community and where we live, and we want to see these organizations, these community organizations in our state thrive. We think that they're a foundational element to Alaskans and to our communities, and we just want to make sure that we can use our skills in storytelling to help promote their activities in our community so that people understand them, are aware of them, and hopefully will um, accept and promote them um, as well. And so, uh, yeah, we've been doing, like, we're working on a documentary right now. We're, we've done a couple of commercials. We do... Um, Gosh, we do like a little bit of everything. We've been really busy, which we're really thankful for. But um, it really kind of came out of a a need where we were both kind of, I don't know, we recognized that we had kind of outgrown TV news in a way, but we wanted to stay in Alaska. And we were just kind of on this long journey that we didn't even realize that we were on, where we we recognized that there was a need in the community for nonprofit storytelling. 
We still do some commercial work, but I would say probably 75 or 80% of our work right now is nonprofit. And it doesn't pay a lot, but we're, we're figuring it out. And it's important work. We really believe in it. And we're just going to keep chugging ahead and, and seeing how things kind of progress. And, you know, if it ends up that you know, one of us needs to get a full-time job, like a real, like regular traditional job, then so be it. But otherwise, like we're just having so much fun and it's just, it's really exciting. It's, it's really liberating, Sierra, to just kind of be the master of your own domain and you're just doing work that you believe in and on a daily basis and making your own schedule. And I don't know, it's, We've been very, very fortunate so far, and we'll just kind of see how things go in the future. And that's really what it's about. Like, I'm, I'm proud of Carolyn for doing this, yes, because I'm all about being an entrepreneur and um, doing what makes you happy. But, like, at the at the end of that, I am just glad that she's happy now doing what she does, right? And I thank you so much for being transparent about, like, oh, it doesn't pay a lot. I mean, we've heard from a lot of people, neither just TV news. So <laughs> <laughs> right. both Carolyn and I used to be in the news business, local news business, right? The tight deadlines, the grind, you are on all the time trying to get story ideas and cultivate enterprise stories and make sure you're talking to your sources, all of that. Don't get me wrong. I loved my time in TV news. Okay. But <laughs> I need a break. So... <laughs> And there's nothing wrong with that. <laughs> there's nothing wrong with that at all. I need a break. Um, so I am now the social media specialist for the U.S. Army Recruiting Command's Seattle Battalion. Um, social media, honestly, has always been my thing, even in local news, before local news, when I was in women's magazines. It's just always been my thing. And now I'm really grateful because I'm able to do it. I'm just not doing it for news. So... <laughs> Um, but I love my job because there's also a lot of storytelling that goes on in the process. Um, I am back behind the camera, but again, I told you guys that I wouldn't do it unless I was getting paid enough. So I will leave it there. I'm happy for you, Sierra. (laughs) I know because that was such like a big sticking point for you in one of our earlier episodes. So I'm very excited and very, very happy for you with this new endeavor and whoever, and you know, who knows where it will take you. I'm sure it'll take you and lead you to even better things beyond too. Thanks, boo. You're welcome. So when I was making the transition, um, out of TV news, um, I really wanted to be okay with going to work every day and feeling like, like, yes, this is what I want to do. And I'm not being forced into any situation. Um, and right now I do have that. Like, I love my job, which is very strange, right? Because sometimes I wake up and I'm like, um, you know, I am not like the me who I used to be in terms of like on people's TV screens every day, but I'm still using all of those skills that I learned and all of those skills that I have and I love to do something like just like Carolyn that I'm just like passionate about, right? Like everybody knows I'm an army wife, um, and I never thought I'd be working for the army, but I am, and I'm okay with that, and it feels good. So it's been really 
it's been really interesting to be able to embrace it because I don't know if you would have asked me two years ago, I wouldn't have told you I would be here in this position right now, but I'm so glad that I am. Yeah, it's almost like a a mindset or just, you know, you're going to reframe things in your mind as far as like what you're traditionally told that you should do or this is the path that you should take. But like once you open yourself to all these possibilities, then it's like, oh my gosh, the the world is your oyster and it's it's a completely different landscape that's in front of you. And, and Sierra, I feel like this is something that has been um, perennially a part of you as long as I've known you, where you get a job, whatever that job is, and you just kind of turn it into something that works well for you. It's like you have this like magic touch going on. Um, and, and now this latest career development for you, it's it's very similar where, you know, you're just you're open to possibilities and it's not like you should do something or you need to do something. The door is wide open for you. It really is. And I mean, even if you are in TV news, I can only speak for my experience, but I walked into like my first full-time gig in TV news with that mindset of like, I need to be happy, right? So I need to be doing something that fuels my spirit and makes me want to come to work every day. And again, um, KTVA in Anchorage, Alaska was like, I will, I will back them all the way. I had a a very good manager. Um, She's a female news director, Janice. And she was supportive of all of my ideas. And I that then that put the not the burden, but the responsibility on me to make sure that I was doing what I needed to do. And like I was fulfilling this role that I had essentially just created for myself that um, in that newsroom. So it's yeah, you're right. It's just always been that like I've been like, I want to do this and like made sure that it happened. (laughs) I don't know. <laughs> well, it you know, it's so just recently a friend of mine recommended this book to me called Designing Your Life. And there's a lot of Sierra in this book. I I'm only on like, I think, page 30 or so so far. But just to kind of give you an idea of the scope of what is covered in it, I'll read a couple of the chapter titles. And um, one is Wayfinding. Getting Unstuck, Design Your Lives, How Not to Get a Job, and Designing Your Dream Job. So it's it's written by these two professors. I believe they're from Stanford. And they have this course where it's essentially like how to design your life. And it's one of the most popular electives that they have on campus. And they just basically teach people to essentially like figure out your compass and what drives you as an individual. And then it's kind of like, I guess like that chapter said, like wayfinding, like you're trying to find your way to what fulfills you as an individual through your career choices. And, and I, I, I can see a lot of Sierra in this book so far where it's like, it's all about what fulfills you inside and what makes you happy and moving forward that way. Because that's what it's about, girl. I'm telling that's you. That's right. <laughs> I don't, I do not play when it comes to my happiness. That is 
a very true statement. <laughs> That's probably the truest statement I've heard. <laughs> Maybe ever. <laughs> okay, so who you're about to hear from, uh, our guest on the podcast this episode, is a woman who has definitely carved her own path, Melissa Noel. Um, and I have watched her transform her career into exactly what she wanted it to be. Um, and I can't wait for her to share it with you. Melissa Noel is an award-winning independent multimedia journalist. She produces video as well as print and online stories for several major news outlets, including NBCNews.com, HuffPost.com, Caribbean Beat Magazine, and Voices of New York. Melissa is also a television correspondent and host for several Caribbean-focused networks. And she is also a fellow CUNY J School grad and has been a wonderful friend and colleague of mine. Welcome to the podcast, Melissa. Oh, thank you so much for having me. I love that last plug there. Yes, (laughs) CUNY love. (laughs) So um, getting started, I just want to talk about how you got to this point. So if you could take us all the way to the beginning, because when I read your, this is only like a paragraph of your bio, but when I read this, I'm just like, oh, that's a lot. <laughs> How's she doing all that? When is she sleeping? <laughs> um, wow, taking it all the way back. Well, to make a long story short, it started at Howard University um, officially. I always knew I wanted to be a journalist, and that love and that passion for journalism came from my grandmother. My parents are immigrants from Guyana. And when my family moved um, and when my family settled in New Jersey, my grandmother used to always have me pick up the newspaper she used to get back in Guyana and read it with her. And just to see how much she appreciated knowing what was going on back home and how she lit up to still be connected to all her friends and her family and all that, all those things, it just made me say, hey, I really, I want to be a journalist. And I like stuck with that from about eight or nine years old, all the way up until um, I attended Harvard University for undergrad and was able to really get into broadcast. And I started in radio. Um, I actually started in radio as the host of a show called the Island Hoppin Show on WHBC 8.30 a.m. And then I went to went on to write for WHUR 96.3 FM's News in Two uh, segments where I would write about stories that were happening uh, in the Caribbean region as well as in West Africa. And I think Howard was really that foundation, that base that gave me like allowed me to get my feet wet across all facets of broadcast, you know, from radio, television. Um, I was able to really see what I wanted and also what I didn't want. And I used to think what I wanted was local news. And then I quickly learned that that just was as much as I was groomed to do that, I realized that it wasn't the path for me, but that that was okay. (laughs) But it took me a long time to... Um, understand that success in broadcast didn't mean that I had to be uh, a local news reporter or didn't mean that I had to be the anchor or didn't mean that like I it didn't mean I wasn't successful if that didn't happen for me or if it didn't happen for me right away. When do you think that happened that you realized it doesn't necessarily have to be local news for me to do what I want? Um, I don't think it actually happened. I don't think I had that realization until after grad school, um, which 
in some cases, I'm like, why did it take me that long? But I think it's because I was, um, I was really, you were always told that this is the path. This is how you have to do things. Pay your dues in a small market, work your way up, and that's just how it's done. So for so many, it took me like five years to unlearn that. After, you know, you had the four years of schooling and then you're spending two, three years grinding. Like I was on the assignment desk at ABC News in New York. And I loved that experience because not only did it teach me everything I loved about the business, it taught me how to produce. And, you know, my shooting got stronger. I was writing for national news, but it also taught me that that's not what I wanted. (laughs) It showed me that, hey, I need to be reporting, but how can I make this happen for myself if I don't follow that trajectory that I was taught for so many years. So I think, honestly, it took me, I was in grad school, started grad school in the summer of 2011. And I think it took me until, I think my last semester of graduate school in 2012, um, in in winter of 2012, to really say, "Uh uh-uh, like this isn't necessarily what I want. Um, I, but I was still, I was still putting out those tapes, still interviewing, still trying to make it happen because I'm like, this is what you're supposed to do. Um, and then six months after I, I finished grad school, it's the spring of 2016. And um, the story was the uh, Chibuk girls who had been kidnapped in Nigeria um, by Boko Haram. And I saw the lack of, I saw the mainstream coverage, but then I saw the lack of nuance in the coverage. And I thought to myself, man, I should really be covering stories like this. Um, And I always, you know, in college, having hosted the Island Hopping Show and writing about Caribbean news, I always wanted to do that. But I never thought that that was something you went and did. I just didn't. I thought that I had to, you know, go work in local news, work my way up, and then somehow... I was just going to get to do this. Right. I, I just didn't know what that meant. Um, but I, um, once I realized that there was, there was lack of nuance, there was lack of, of cultural sensitivity, and I knew that I could fill in those gaps, then I had that aha moment and said to myself, I have to figure out how to make this my every day. Um, I wasn't exactly sure how I was going to do it at that point, but I knew that after having interviewed for, I think by then I had gone on seven interviews, different parts of the country, as you know, you know, I was in Georgia and I was in Connecticut and I was in Ohio. I was just going everywhere and it just wasn't happening for me. And I got, I got so frustrated. And then I realized, well, maybe it's not happening for me because I'm meant to be somewhere else. I'm meant to be putting my energies and focus on the stories that aren't getting the mainstream coverage. And that was really um, stories out of uh, the continent and stories about the Caribbean region in particular. Um, and the quick, and the, the moment I decided to put my energy into that, that's when then everything started to happen for me. Gotcha. Um, and I feel like the, to me, that really happened with the barrel children story that you did. You want to talk about that a little bit? Yeah. Yeah, sure. So uh, barrel children are children in the Caribbean region who are left behind by their parents when uh, a parent or parents migrate to the United States, UK, Canada, uh, what have you, for work opportunities. And they're called barrel children because they receive, you know, 
all the material goods that you could think of that are typically sent to the Caribbean in shipping, shipping containers called barrels. But what these children lack is that emotional bond, emotional connection with their parent. So while not every child who has a parent abroad um, is a barrel child, uh, because there are parents who make that you know work really well and they're able to um, still maintain that connection, that relationship, there are a lot of children in the region whom they'll get all the great things, but then that that bond that you would think a parent and a child is supposed to have, it's it's just not there. And it's something that, you know, as a Caribbean American myself, it's something I've known about like my whole life. Like this is the story of people that I know. This is the story of uh, close uh, family friends and, and some family members. But honestly, I never thought of it as a story because it was just so normal. Like people you send, when I think about barrels, I always thought positivity because I send barrels home to my family several times a year and you fill barrels with things like clothing, uh, food, household items that are either um, too expensive to get in the Caribbean um, or you're just trying to show love uh, to your family. So you pack a barrel and you send it. So I never thought about the fact that for some people, barrels represent emptiness. It represents absence. Um, And what I that didn't change until I went to this film screening in 2016 in Brooklyn, in New York, and was able to meet people who are 35, 40 years old who said that their relationship with their parent after being separated for 12, 15, 20 years, um, they were never able to close that gap. They were never able to uh, either like rekindle that relationship or that they suffer from a lot of mental health issues due to that separation for all that time that it hit me that, oh my gosh, this is a story. This is, um, so many people are impacted by this and I'm going to tell that story. And that's exactly how it hit me. Like went to that film screen and finally said, I really need to look into this. And I decided to apply for fellowship funding in order to make the um the whole series happened which by the way is an amazing series and is one of those where i remember accessing it and i was like i've never heard of this and then like i you know you keep scrolling keep reading and i'm like this is so fascinating and then i keep scrolling keep reading and i'm like oh my god go melissa like <laughs> <laughs> thank you <laughs> um, and it, what it taught me too is to never to negate the the ideas or the things that you see in your own community and your own life that could really not only be good stories, but stories that need to be told. For so many years, I, I, this was in my face, but I never thought to look beyond, oh, well, this is just the norm. Like people migrate and there's, you know, people send barrels, that was it. But the moment I decided to look into something that was so normal to me, or I had seen my whole life, I found not only a story that was a good story to tell, but a story that needed to be told. Um, And not that no one had told it before, because of course there's always been regional coverage on it and there's been stories done in the past, but what I found lacking was um, comprehensive coverage, uh, ongoing coverage, or like you had the side of the children left behind, 
But what my series also included was years later, when these children turn into adults, how do those, how do people actually uh, fix those relationships, those broken bonds? What happens after you're reunited? Who's helping these families? And I found a lot of gaps in, in all of that, in the help, in the process. Um, and so it showed me that not only was, a, was it a mental health issue, but it was an immigration issue. Um, it was an economic issue because these parents are great parents. They're, it's not that they're bad parents at all, but they were leaving home in order to come to the U.S. and or Canada or the U.K. to provide for their families. And I was able to really show all layers of that through the story series that to this day, um, even though that NBC series was, you know, um, even though that the series is over, I'm still going out and talking about it um, on panels um, and in schools uh, with the Pulitzer Center on crisis reporting. And now I'm at the point where I'm, I'm looking, I'm working to turn it into a documentary, documentary series. So that's like the next thing that's a, a, such an undertaking. It's so different from everyday journalism, but it's so exciting at the same time. That is very exciting. Oh, you guys don't know it, but I was like fist pumping when she said documentary. So. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so another thing I do want to talk about is I can imagine there are a ton of benefits, right? Like you are able to... Um, like carve out your own path in this industry and that's brought you to this point where like you're screaming documentary and I'm I'm super excited but I can imagine that it comes with a ton of challenges as well definitely <laughs> and I always like to be very transparent about that I think sometimes when um, when all people get to see or when, when people see the finished products or that's all they get to see, they're like, oh, you're so lucky or this is so amazing. And yes, it is amazing. I do feel truly blessed to be able to do this kind of work. But it came with a lot of sacrifice. When I decided to focus specifically on the Caribbean region and to tell stories about the African diaspora, it meant that I... I did not renew a contract um, so that I could become a freelancer and put my, my focus on it because, you know, there aren't uh, Caribbean correspondents in newsrooms. They just, that's not a position that exists. It's something that I had to carve out on my own, but I had to do that by saying, okay, well, I'm going to take this huge pay cut by becoming a freelancer. And then I'm going to pitch to these outlets that I have relationships with, but of course I'm not going to get the same kind of money because I'm not staffed. Um, on top of that, you know, I was leaving the country a lot to do coverage. And as a freelancer, I wasn't most times these, the outlets I was working for, they would pay me for my pieces, but they weren't paying to get me there, get me back, nothing on the ground. That was all up to me. So I spent a lot of my own money uh, in the beginning, the first two years. I was just, I was spending my money. I was sleeping on, you know, couches of friends, aunts, uncles, thank God for the family in the Caribbean and, and friends that become family. <laughs> <laughs> Shout out to them, yes. <laughs> but at the same time, like, while I was, I had to make sure that I always saw it as the fact that I was investing in myself and, um, and, and know that that was going to pay dividends for me in a way that I couldn't have seen at the time. And I definitely couldn't see it. All I could see was like, oh my gosh, I can't, I can't pay for this right now because I have to get on this flight or I need to make this work. Um, so you do sacrifice uh, time, you sacrifice money, um, and then you also uh, sacrifice 
you also make the sacrifice of being, I guess, like being that it person in in terms of like you're you're maybe not that go to because you're not always there because you're trying to figure things out, but you know that you're developing a specialty that will pay dividends for you ongoing. So I had to make that sacrifice for a year and a half to kind of just bounce around a little bit, figure it out. It was a lot of trial and error um, to now where the point where I'm at the point where, you know, NBC did NBC news digital. I'm one of the people that they'll call on as an expert on the Caribbean region. So if something, if there's something happening there, I'll get it. I can get an email. I usually will get an email right away. Like, Hey, what are your thoughts on this? Or can you give can you give us a piece on what's happening? Let's say it's temporary protected status and where that is in the country right now with Haitian immigrants, or let's say it has something to do with legalization or decriminalization of marijuana in Jamaica or St. Vincent and the Grenadines. Like I'm, I'm looked at as, as someone who is not only a good reporter like I can turn her like I can turn around your profile piece your breaking news piece but I also have a specialty and I think that it's important to know that you have to take that time to invest in that or take that little sacrifice time in order for you to be able to flourish long term I think anything that's worth it in the end requires sacrifice and requires Definitely time and definitely money, guys. Like, <laughs> <laughs> okay. So, last thing, any advice? You've already given tons of good nuggets, but any other advice that you can share with our listeners? Sure, I would say that if you have a passion for um, a certain area or a certain beat that you want to cover, to follow it and. When I say follow that, if it what happened with me is that this covering the Caribbean region and diaspora, it kept no matter what I did, I kept coming back to it. And so like things weren't working out because I was meant to come back to this. So if there's something that keeps coming back around and continues to come back around, don't ignore it. Uh, see what it is that you can do to actually um, go after that. For me, it was starting with local like small community and ethnic media outlets and building my like portfolio as a Caribbean news reporter through small outlets you know in the region as well as in New York City so that I had those clips and I had that television background there where people say oh she's been covering xyz she's been doing all these different topics she has a voice and a place and she knows this community and at the same time I built trust and I got some of the best stories by just taking the time to not worry about so much what outlet it was. Like, I, it doesn't need to be an NBC or an ABC. They're amazing places, but it doesn't have to be the network. You don't have to be at a network to make impact. And the sooner I realized that, it was the better. The networks will come. But I think if you start in a space where you know you can actually do the work and you're doing good work, people will take notice. They always do. They always do. Perfect. Melissa, thank you so much. Thank you. This was awesome. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri-term medical plans are available for these changing times. 
Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare tri-term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. So I can actually remember uh, talking to Melissa. It was January 2016, and I had taken a trip to New York, um, and she and I met for lunch. And I remember her telling me, like, I am going to go after what I want, like, no more of what I've been doing. Um, And she talked about that switch that happened. She's like, no more of what I've been doing. Like, I'm really going to go after what I want. And when I tell you, I bring this up to her all the time, but that made me so happy. And then um, soon after that was her Barrel Children series. And I was like, it, like, it works. You put it in the atmosphere and it works. Like I'm not, this is, this is just how it works. So I'm super, super proud of Melissa. Yeah, she is emblematic of just really going through this journey and using her passion and her drive and her persistence of not giving up to really make it and to show that it can be done. I mean, I was just so excited and really interested in hearing your conversation with her, Sierra, because it's just like, yeah, you go, girl. Like, you're just like, you know what? Screw it. I'm just going to, like, I'm going to make this happen on my own and I'm going to do it my way. And she cared enough about it to just really persevere and she's just she's a role model and she's a leader and I I think that there's a lot from her experience that we can all learn from it I I know that I was feeling like less lonely when I was listening to it just based on (laughs) like my my personal experience lately you know starting this video production company where it's like what am I doing I don't know but I'm having fun and so far so good like we've had business coming in but it's it's like carving out that niche and carving your path and you know not doing something because you've always been told that you should do it gosh I just I so related to that because when I was growing up it was already like defined for me like you will go to college you will do this and it's like it's not even necessarily that someone has to come right out and tell you that you're going to do something but it's more like it's the ingrained expectation in your culture that you're meant to have a job and you're meant to have like a job working for the man for 30 years and then you retire, you know, and it's, it doesn't have to be that way. Yeah. And, um, so Melissa brought up something when we were talking where she was like, you know, never negate the stories that are in your face. And I would even say, especially like for me and Carolyn, just like never negate the the obvious resources that are in your face, right? I've always been 
good at social media. And if you would have told me like, you're going to manage, you know, 37 different accounts for like this, yada, yada, like the stuff that I do now, it wouldn't have clicked back then until like, I was like, no, like I can do this. I can totally do this. And I've like, I've sort of done it before in TV news. And now I can use those same resources that I've always been good at, always been good at storytelling to now do what I'm loving. Exactly. And you know, I would even take it a step further than that as far as beyond you as an individual, Sierra, is one thing that I keep catching myself in where I forget that I have resources beyond myself and beyond my husband. It's like, oh yeah, like we know this person and this is their specialty and we should totally ask them for assistance or guidance or advice or to work for us if we're double booked, you know, like stuff like that. It's it's developing an, an awareness of yourself and where your strengths and weaknesses lie, as well as your passions and what you're just inherently good at. But then also like thinking about the network that's around you. I, I don't know why, but for some reason I've had like a total brain fart on that. I just I can't explain it. So I have to actively be like, oh, no, I know this person who's really good at this, and I'm not that good at that. So I should, like, maybe look to them as a resource. No, absolutely. Um, And uh, listen, all we want to say as we, like, close this thing out is, you know, find what makes you happy and do it. Amen, sister. (laughs) (laughs) Just do it and just be happy. It's Life is way too short. It's way, way, way too short. And... I don't know. Like I'm everything happens for a reason. That's what I believe in. I don't know. It's life is funny. That it is, girl. Now some of you may have heard we have changed the slogan of this podcast. Right? It used to be a podcast created for women in TV news. It is now expanded, right? We're being inclusive and we want to represent all female storytellers. Our life circumstances have shifted beyond the scope of television news. And in order for us to be talking about things in our lives that are relevant um, and that we have experience in or relevant experience in, we thought it was appropriate to, to expand the slogan and to expand the scope of what it is that we talk about. The podcast hopefully fills a niche for a lot of women storytellers out there just to know that they're not alone and that, you know, these are just our real life experiences, whether it be television news or online journalism or just digital visual storytelling. Yeah. And and we want to thank our listeners for continuing to listen. Right. Like um, if you start one thing and then try to rebrand, sometimes you know, people fall off, but we are forever grateful to you that you have not. Absolutely. 100% absolutely. We thank you. That'll do it for us on Women on Deadline, a podcast created to energize and unite female storytellers. I'm Sierra Starks. And I'm Carolyn Hall. Remember, we have a partnership with Rocks Jewelry, owned by a female boss. Make sure you go pick up some coffee mugs, some t-shirts, their beautiful jewelry, rocksjewelryshop.com, R-O-X jewelryshop.com. 
And we want to give a special thanks to Enika Edenfield, the executive news producer at WSAV in Savannah, Georgia, for coming us in and out of this episode's podcast. Be great, Carolyn. Be great, Sierra. Out in five, four, Three, two, one. Good job, gang. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health Right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.